Good morning, Journey Church. Uh, good to see everybody here. I want to welcome everyone this morning. And if you're joining us online, it's great to have you with us as well. And I want to thank Chow. Man, uh, Chow and I have been friends for a long time, uh, 15 years, 20, I don't know, a long time. Uh, but at any rate, I appreciate that. A few uh, years ago, or a couple years ago, we went down Guatemala, got a chance to tour uh, uh, the area, La Limonada, and uh, it's amazing. And then it seemed like COVID hit almost immediately. Uh, when this lifts, we, we need to take a, a trip down. I think that would be great uh, to, to work that out and kind of see what's going on. It's, a, it's an awesome trip. But I appreciate also what he said about community because it's kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, we've been in this series for a few weeks now called Reboot. Um, and um, my hope was that when we did this series that all of this COVID would be behind us and we'd everybody be ready to go and just jump and get into it. And then we have this uh, second wave or fifth wave or whatever it is that's hit us. And so uh, it's a little bit harder, but I still see and think it's time for us to, to move into something more and greater. So uh, I'm grateful that you're here with us today as we're uh, in this series. And if you're joining us online, thanks as well. But, you know, we're going to talk about community. When I was a kid, community meant the people who lived in our small county. Uh, I am a Kentucky boy, and I don't know, I guess because I moved here from Indiana, but I still have people who go, you're from Indiana, right? And when they get up off the ground, um, they, I say, no, I'm from Kentucky. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I grew up in uh, Taylorsville, Spencer County area. My parents still live there. Uh, but it was a very isolated county, and I was uh, very sheltered. I'll put it that way for sure. And we, it seemed like we knew everybody at that point in Spencer County. I mean, neighbors and friends and family, people we went to church with. We knew everybody. And that's changed dramatically. If you know anything about Spencer County, now the Taylorsville Lake changed everything. And I know nobody when I go uh, back down there to visit my parents. So it's, it's changed a lot. I was very isolated, but we had our community. We had the people around us and we knew and was very safe. And you know what? Maybe you grew up like that, but you probably know that in the last several years, that has changed dramatically. Uh, it has changed a lot. The, the exception are people who stay close to home uh, and uh, there are not a lot of native people that I meet, even in this part of the country. But seeing the people seem to be scattered all over the world, literally, oftentimes far away from their family, far away from friends that they grew up with, far away from even their support system. So it's, it's a different world that we live in today. And, and community is, uh, is still needed, and maybe even more desperately, but we have to try a little harder to find it than, than I did when I was growing up. So we, what we have is social media that's come in. Right or wrong, however you feel about that, on Facebook, not on Facebook, it doesn't matter. The reality is that, the, that social media has often become the medium for community. And for a lot of people, Facebook itself meets that needs from connecting to classmates that they grew up or old friends to keeping up with family to knowing what's going on in your town to commenting on relevant issues or irrelevant issues, whatever it may be. You can find something good or bad online all the time. It's just, uh, it has opened up the world. And I, thought, I think it's also interesting that Facebook groups have started. And if you're a member of a group, you know that you're going to interact with people. There are community based on vocation or passion or interest or whatever it may be uh, that connect people all the time, and you can uh, stay connected with them. I, I thought it'd be interesting, what, what are the largest Facebook groups? I don't know if you're a part of a group at all, but what are the largest groups? And, and here's the one that, that blew me away, the largest Facebook group. Almost 7 million members is all about hairstyle. Really? Hairstyle? That, 
But that's it, seven million. Can you imagine being in that group and, and ever getting to comment or trying to keep up with the comments? It'd be impossible. Here's also interesting. There's another group that has four million people in it that's a lot better. It's called Push, Pray Until Something Happens. I thought that was encouraging. Four million people are part of that group. Um, I'm a member of a group I was telling someone earlier called Leaving California. Uh, I don't know. I know that's odd. But there was a gentleman baptized a couple weeks ago, and he said, you ought to get on this uh, group, Leaving California, because it's all about people who want to leave California uh, for really good reasons, all right? But anyway, it's kind of interesting to to see uh, how people are. It's kind of a community there. Uh, Another one's view from my window, where you take a picture outside your window, homesteading, math, cooking, you name it. People seek community. It's an important part of our lives. And we may find community online or, or indirectly, but honestly, it's not really fulfilling. I'm not going to depend on the couple of groups I'm a part of to really provide the community that I need because we need real connection with real people. Uh, we need people in our lives that we can see and touch and communicate with and, and have personal in- interaction. And the reality, we need that because that's how we were made. In the book of Genesis, the record of creation, the Bible talks about God making various animals, earth, everything. And every time, if you recall, when God completed a a creation, he said, it is good. Until it came to man. And when he had created man, he realized it was not good. It was not good that man would be alone. And so we know he created Eve to be a partner and a helpmate. But you know, it's not just about marriage. It's not just that we need a spouse Adam needed other people in his life, and we know that before long, the earth was very much populated, and today, we have different connections of people, different communities. It might be our work community. It might be our neighbors. It might be our family, friends, church, whatever it may be, but we're created for a community. See, the Christian life was made for community, and we are created to live in two basic relationships. Our first relationship with is Christ. As a believer, we are called, first of all, to have a relationship and be in community with him, and secondly, our relationship with other believers. Because here's the reality, we can't be saved without establishing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we cannot live a faithful Christian life without the fellowship of a Christian community. We just desperately need that, and I know that's probably a bold and controversial statement to be made there, especially the last part. But after 40 years of ministry and observation, I'm convinced that there is not really any such thing as a lone ranger Christian trying to do it alone. Even people who, who, who haven't found a fellowship of believers, they will seek out other Christians in some aspect to be with them. And the reason is that we need other people in our life, and we also need to be obedient to God's Word because there are just too many commands in the Bible that clearly require us to be part of a Christian community of some sort. Probably one of the better known scriptures in Hebrews 11, it's a little bit long, but bear with me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is the body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we, pro- we profess, 
For it is he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So first of all, the writer here commands believers to draw near to God. So this is the most obvious part of it. And to hold unswervingly. You know, I like that word. I don't know why. Um, kind of reminds me of driving, I guess. You know, you you see the people that swerve, see the people that know how to stay on the road, you know, and you want to be one of those. But that's how we ought to live our life, unswervingly, holding unswervingly to the hope we profess, assuring us that the only way to do that is through our high priest, Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for us and, and who cleansed us. Being a follower of Jesus demands constant attention. You know, you see the people swerving in the road, you know, they're distracted, their phone uh, something, sleep, whatever it may be, they're distracted. But being a follower of Jesus demands constant attention and focus on drawing near to God. And by the way, James chapter 4 verse 8 says that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us. So when we seek Him, He will answer, He'll respond to us and draw us to Himself. See, living the Christian life it is not, it's not just a one-time decision or a sprint, it's a marathon of faith. It is a long drive that we commit ourselves to, living for Jesus. And then as Paul says in Hebrews chapter 10, he who promised is faithful. So we are to constantly draw near to God, giving him our attention, loyalty, and service. He's calling us into community with him. So the question is, do we live in community with God? Do we do that? Is it a constant thing? Do we just check up, touch base with God every now and then, or are we actually living in community with him? That means that we're reading his word, hearing from him, and we're praying to him, him hearing from us, and we're meditating, we're in communion with God. That's essential to retain our faith and our walk with him. But the second part is almost as important, and that is that we can't live the Christian life without other believers. Because he goes on to say, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. I think we oftentimes underestimate the power of what other believers have in our life. We try to be independent. We try to say, oh, I don't need anybody. I got this. Me and God, you know, we got it together. But we underestimate the power of other believers in our life, and we also underestimate the power of, of uh, our life in other believers. That we, we don't think we have anything to offer to people, but I've discovered that just a little bit of attention, just a little bit of investing in people makes a lot, of a, a lot of difference. Just a few words to someone that doesn't take us but a few seconds can make a huge difference. The other day, uh, I, I just said to someone, you know what, I believe in you. I believe in you. And, and that was what they needed to hear at the moment. I didn't even go into detail and tell them what I believed they could do. I just said, I believe in you. We underestimate the power and the impact of our words and the words of others in our life. You know, we spend a lot of time the last few weeks talking about discipleship, which is our vision to accomplish our mission, to be disciples who make disciples. And that really is what it's all about. It's just investing in people. It's just spending time with people. You see, Jesus' strategy was to spend a lot of time with a few people and invest deeply in their lives and then release them to repeat the cycle. That's important for us. We can't improve on that plan. Not only did Jesus' plan actually create new disciples, but then it strengthened and equipped them to make even more, and it still works today. It's important we understand the, the, the significance and the, the importance of, of being in community, 
with other people. See, going to church is not just an option for people who have nothing better to do on Sunday. Sunday. I, I see you guys, you made a sacrifice to be here. Those of you who are online, who aren't comfortable being out, you made a sacrifice to be with us online. That's a sacrifice. You have other things you could do, lots of other things you could do this morning on a beautiful Sunday morning. But worshiping and studying with the rest of the body of Christ is important, and you made it a point to do that. It's how we retain our love and our spiritual life. You see, we need, the, we, uh, we need to have this face-to-face connection with other believers. And while being online is good, we always encourage people, if that's where you're at right now, that's great, but soon as possible, get back with the body of people face-to-face. We need that. This that past year has proven that. A few months ago, I met with a friend of mine. We met for lunch, and he said, Randy, you know, I need community. I need to be with some other believers and it was true. You know, he has a job that he works seven days a week and just keeps him busy, and he's just all wrapped up in that. But the reality is that he knew he needed to be with other believers. And so now he meets with our group on Sunday night. He gets away, and, and he makes it a priority and never misses. You know, a lot of people have lost their first love because they've gotten out of the habit of worship. They minimized its importance and the significance of just being together because it empowers us and it, it strengthens us for the journey. And I really believe that it, if you're serious about your faith, not only do you need the, the large community, but you need a smaller community as well. Because we know that just going into church and sitting down, you know, we can learn a lot, but we don't grow as much as being in a smaller setting. And so one way that we make community even stronger and even better is that we have groups in our church called journey groups. And most of those groups meet weekly. Some meet on Sunday morning. We have groups that are meeting right now, and some meet on uh, weeknights. A lot of our groups meet through the week, about every week. You see, our group is our community. It's our family. It's the people that we are connected with. We have a lot of friends outside of our group, but, you know, the, reason, the fact that we meet together on a regular basis and close, we're in, involved in each other's life. Let me give you four reasons why I think that Christian community is important to us why it's important in our, in our journey. First of all, a Christian community is vital for Christian growth. It really is. We have to have other people in our life. We need other people to teach us, to encourage us, to pray for us, and pray with us. We need other Christians also to hold us accountable. We need people in our life. You need somebody in your life that can walk up to you if you are off base or you are slacking off and say, you know what, you need to get your act together. We need that. I need that. You need that. You don't want it. We don't, none of us do, but we need that. If we're serious about growing spiritually, we're going to seek that out. And unfortunately, we don't always get that just by going to church on Sunday morning. Without it, we're going to grow, obviously, but we're not going to become fully mature disciples of Christ without somebody speaking into our life occasionally. You know, without exception, for, uh, the people that I've seen grow in their faith the most were people who were involved in a, some sort of small group experience. It's just the reality of it. It doesn't mean a person's good or bad. It's just the reality. It's how we grow. Secondly, a Christian community is vital for your personal well-being. I can't tell you how many people that I've known over the years who have gone through difficult periods of sickness or loss or disappointment or discouragement, but they were not connected with the smaller groups, and honestly, their needs were not met. Nobody knew what they were going through at the time. Nobody was aware of what was happening there. When people do not have roots and connections in the church, unfortunately, their needs are often not known and they're not met. 
You know, we live in a busy and we live in a frantic world. And even though we don't intend to, sometimes we just don't know what's going on in someone's life. And, and I will tell you, I probably am as connected as anybody. And there are times that I drop the ball, and I know people are disappointed, but I don't know what's going on in your world if you don't tell me or if your group doesn't tell me. People have surgery. People lose loved ones. I have no idea. But I will tell you, the people in our group that we're connected with, I know what's going on in their lives. And if you're in a smaller community group, your group is going to know, and they're going to step in to help. We've all had times that we needed the help of somebody else. We really have. I can think of two in the last couple of years. The first one was last year when I had COVID. And uh, I had that. We were, it was early on in the whole deal. So uh, we were, you know, stuck at home for a couple weeks. And I remember like the second day, uh, this guy pulled up, one guy in our group, didn't say a word, didn't have any contact. He opened the back of his SUV and he started hauling out food and drink, and, and uh, not drinks, not that kind of drinks, water. <laughs> Cases of water, guys, minds always just go to the bottom, don't you? Hauling out water and, and pop, and, you know, it was awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, it was like a kid had gone shopping because there was so much good stuff. I mean, just junk food, cakes, and ice cream, and it was awesome. I mean, it was incredible, just piled out there. The other one was not quite as light. This was when my, my mother-in-law passed away this year. And our group just brought in a ton of food and started calling and connecting with us. And other people did as well. But you know what? When you have people in your life that know intimately what's happening, it just makes all the difference in the world. And it's not really about food, to be honest. It's about being there. It's about supporting one another. And there's a story in Exodus chapter 17 where Joshua and the Israelites, the army, they were fighting the Amalekites. And if you know that story, it's a really cool story. Moses was an older man, so he wasn't in the battle. Uh, Joshua was leading the forces down there. Moses was up on a hill overlooking the battle, and the battle was almost evenly matched. They, they were almost equally strong. But Moses noticed that whenever he raised his hands up, the Israelites' army began to prevail. They began to push the Amalekites. And then when he dropped his arms because they got tired, the opposite happened. The Amalekites prevailed, and they pushed the Israelites back uh, in, in their front line. You know, so, so obviously Moses needs to be holding his hands up all the time, but he's an old man. And not only is he an old man, it's hard to hold your hands up very long, right? We found that out in the prayer this morning. I did. Remember that? I don't know if she's in here or not. But when she said, let's hold, let's raise our hands, through, you know, through the wall. So I did that. I'm like, man, it's a long prayer. <laughs> I held them up, but it was tough, all right? So imagine doing that through a battle, you know, half the day. So the Bible says that Aaron and Hur, who was a younger man and two, they stood on either side of Moses and they held his hands up all day long until the battle was won. So let me ask you this. If you were in a battle, who would it be holding your arms up? Who would be alongside of you? Who do you know would be there no matter what? It would be, the, it would be your community. They would be there. We need people in our life for our own well-being. We need a community to stand with us. A third, third thing is a Christian community is vital for our mission. It's vital for our mission. In order for us to be a disciple who makes disciples, it involves winning people to Christ, baptizing those people, and teaching them so that they in turn become fully mature followers of Christ as well. And I will tell you that is best done in community. As we pray together for the lost 
as we encourage one another, as we hold each other accountable, we celebrate together whenever we see souls one. And then when a person is one to the Lord, the Christian community welcomes them into fellowship and community. That is how it's supposed to be done. And if we don't have that welcoming community and supportive community, many times those who are new believers just fall away quickly. Fourthly, a Christian community is a grace gift from God. There is a spiritual blindness, I think, out there that many people have that does not allow people the importance, to see the importance of being with other believers. See, God has given us this amazing gift of family and community. God has given us, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you understand that you have believers, even though maybe you're not as connected as you might want to be or might ought to be and everything, you know that you have some people in your life that are just a grace gift from God, that are a blessing to you, that God's given to you. But if you neglect this or you reject this gift that God's given us, then it's going to be hard to, to live this journey. And what I oftentimes see is when people fall away from the Lord, and unfortunately it happens often, when they do that, it, it happens many times very slowly as they kind of are disconnected from people. And, and that many times people don't even realize that we're slipping away. It's not that, it's just that subtle. Most people who fall away from Christ isn't a moment of decision, I'm leaving. It is a slow slipping away, all the while insisting, I still believe in Jesus, but they get further and further away from him and away from his community. So a commitment to Christian community, I think, prevents that slippage from happening. You know, I mean, look at the many ways in the Bible that it describes this, what this community is like. And we're going to break this down in a couple of weeks, even a little further, but it, it's like a human body that has many parts that work together. It's like a family. It's like an army. All of them working and worshiping together as a group. And all of them interdependent in a day of independence, we need interdependency on each other and all the community as a whole. In fact, the Bible talks so much about one another, connecting with one another. There are almost 20 different commands telling us how we are to relate with other believers, including praying for, encouraging, loving, caring for, forgiving, helping, serving, and being devoted to one another. So we can't escape the connection and commitment that God has called us to as the body of Christ. Now, although community is commanded and essential to our Christian walk, it is not automatic and it's not always natural. And in fact, I've found out that a lot of people actually shy away from community. And I think there's a couple of reasons. Obviously, one of them is busyness. It takes time to commit to community just like it takes time to commit to a Sunday morning worship time. But I think there's also there is an independence sometimes that keeps people at arm's length because oftentimes we run away from the very thing that we need the most. We shy away from that. But I will tell you that I've found that I need community in order to live the Christian life. Even though it's something that I'm engaged in ministry every day, I still need community in a smaller setting, and I need, to be, need that to be obedient to the mission of Christ. So let me share you a couple, uh, a couple things that I've discovered about community that helps me think through it. Number one, community has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. It, it, it has to be planned and scheduled. Some community is organic. It happens automatically. You're just going to be around people that you want to be around. You're going to invite people over. That's sometimes that's, that's organic. It happens. But a Christian community has to be intentional, more intentional. 
And, and you see that by looking at Jesus and his community. You know, Jesus had a community, 12 people that were a part of his inner circle there, and three were even closer. But Jesus formed a community of men of all backgrounds, tax collectors and fishermen and tradesmen, and they were all called and they all responded to follow Jesus, but they didn't always see things the same way, and they didn't sit around the campfire every night singing kumbaya and telling each other they loved each other. They just didn't do that. How do we know that? Because they were so different. Some of them were almost, you know, were Zionists, which were kind of patriots and trying to push things. Some of them were fishermen, tax collectors. They were all sorts of people. And they didn't always see eye to eye. In fact, they were jealous of each other. But they became a community that multiplied and changed the world. So to be in community demands that we choose to be intentional and we make commitments and sacrifices to be there. Secondly, community demands diversity, diversity. Community can't just be with people that we feel comfortable with and who are just like us. You know, that's what I love about our church family is that we have diversity. We need more diversity for sure, but we're all different in some ways. We all come from different backgrounds. Our current journey group is like that as well. It's not organic at all. You know, I've been in groups before that, that you know, it was just couples, like us, about the same age and everything. It's very comfortable, but our current group is not like that at all. We're all different. We have couples, we have singles, uh, we have men and we have women, we have professionals, we have people in trade, we have people who are in recovery and people who uh, aren't even really sure what that, what that entails. But you know what? We all have an incredible community of believers and it's built around a common love Jesus. We don't have to all be alike or be the same age in the same place in life in order for us to have community because our common love, the focus is Jesus Christ. Also, community requires a willingness to be, embrace awkwardness. It, it requires sometimes that we have to deal with awkward subjects, and we have to be willing to be in uncomfortable places. We have to get outside of our comfort zone, our insecurity. Uh, it can involve awkward conversations. You know, one of the things about being in a group, and uh, there's some accountability. And if, uh, if you know, you have to have a conversation with someone about something, that can be uncomfortable. It can be rejected invocations. Hey, you want to be a part of our group? No. Okay. That's awkward. Uh, miscommunication, unrealistic expectations, you know, we expected something and it didn't happen there. But that's okay. You know what? It means that we're, we're open and we're honest about our faults and our brokenness. You know, we, in our group, people share things that, um, you know, they don't tell everybody in the world, but, but they're honest about that. It's a willingness to be vulnerable and to see the value uh, and uh, the vulnerabilities of other people as well and to love and be loved in spite of all those things. It requires some awkwardness, which is okay. And most of all, community requires obedience. It requires obedience. You know, sadly, many Christians look for the least commitment they have to make. Community is a commitment. It really is. And, and there's never, ever a good time. We have had, uh, we just been on Monday night, now we're on Sunday night. I thought Sunday night would be easier. It's not. <laughs> it's hard to meet too. You know, there's always stuff going on in our lives. It is a commitment there. And, um, it, you know, it's disappointing sometimes to hear people insist that they can be a faithful Christian and not come to church at all or see people let the slightest thing take them away from Christian community when we know how important it is. We just know that. And it's important that, that we 
do that because for spiritual growth, for your own well-being, we ask all of our leaders to commit to a small group, a small community of some sort because we know that spiritual growth comes when we're in close and consistent contact with other believers. See, we believe that moving people on a simple journey toward Jesus includes a commitment to the large Christian community worship and also to a smaller group where we can truly experience the love of Christ and the growth and the personal and maturing process of God working in us in our lives. So that's my challenge to you today. I want to go back again real quick to Hebrews chapter 10. The most important thing about community is in relationship or community with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you have never given your life to Christ, that is the most important thing. That's the, the start, it's the foundational part of your Christian walk is to give your life with Christ, if, to Christ. If you have never done that, I would love to talk to you about that. And I'm going to be up here in a few moments, and, and I'll ask Tony to step up as well to do that. But the second thing is to be in relationship with other believers as well. And like I said, we have a lot of groups. Some of them are sun, on Sunday mornings. Some of them on, are through the week. We have opportunities in those groups for people to connect. We'd love to start some new groups. If you're able to be a part of a group or you're willing to do that, I want to encourage you to do that. Think about it, pray about it, or just decide to do it. This morning, after the service, between services, after each one, Tony's going to be out front under the journey sign right out here in our lobby, and would love to talk to you about connecting somewhere. I really encourage you to do that. Will you pray?